Welcome to Square Zeroes, guys. I am John. And I'm Derek. And today we are interviewing uh, Aileen Brophy from The Space Merchants. Uh, Aileen, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, Internet. Uh, my name is Aileen Brophy. I am the bass player and one of the vocalists in The Space Merchants, based here out of Brooklyn, New York. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about The Space Merchants. What kind of stuff do you guys do? So The Space Merchants, uh, I guess we're sort of a, a heavy-ish psychedelic rock band um really influenced by like lungfish and spaceman 3 and sort of but it's also it's very melodic but also sort of you know repetitious and droney at the same time mm -hmm. so we try to have a little bit a little bit of everything in the mix i say having seen you two i would throw a little hawkwind in there i was there i'll throw a little hawkwind in anyway maybe a little bit of like jefferson airplane and the vocal harmonies too Wow, that, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, I mean, we love both of those bands, so that's that's pretty good praise. Thank you. Not Jefferson Starship, though. <laughs> I mean, they did build the city on rock and roll, but I'd prefer the airplane if given uh, a choice. I'd prefer, Likewise. <laughs> and I think Hawkwind would like destroy the city with rock and roll. Like, you know, like, I think that's something we're, we're all more comfortable with. destroy it with, uh, you know, their sonic attack, that song about bleeding from orifices and, you know, <laughs> store your children in cocoons. I mean, that's pretty much what we're kind of going for. That's what we're about. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to say, it's good that we start with, you know, a compliment because, you know, sometimes as these episodes tend to go... Uh, the compliments are, you know, like all for the band that you're currently playing in, and then we, <laughs> and then and then it gets a little hairier when we get to the band you used to play in. So, well, yeah, speaking of which, uh, you were in a band that was a lot more stripped down than any of those bands that we just mentioned, uh, called the Violent Against Themselves and Others. Uh, can you just describe that band? What was the era and setting, and uh, what was your role? So, the Violent Against Themselves and Others was. Uh, my freshman year of college band, it was the first sort of live band I'd ever been in. I mean, I'd sort of done some, you know, bedroom recording type of stuff, but this was the first time that it was like a live band situation. And we were based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I played guitar and screamed a lot. So um, our name was taken. It's actually incredibly nerdy. Um, I guess what you would expect from Harvard University's freshman year <laughs> punk band. Um, our name was taken from, it's a reference to Dante's Inferno. They were two different circles of hell, the violent against themselves and the violent against others. And we somehow thought that would be a good name for a punk band. So, Oh, that's pretty funny. The, the, the music is uh, decidedly not as uh, heady. Uh, it's pretty damn raw, and we're going to hear a little bit of that right now. Uh, the first song that you have for us is called Identity Crisis. Want to just introduce that real quick, and then we'll run it? Yeah, here's Identity Crisis. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Perfect. Identity Crisis. Coming at you live! <laughs> Live from the basement of Leverage. Identity Crisis. <laughs> 
Sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, in the process of getting ready for this interview, I you know obviously had to dig out some of the old recordings that I had, and uh, I was actually kind of surprised at how much I still liked them. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things in there that you could be embarrassed about, or you know you can definitely tell that it's uh, you know of a you know a certain age and a certain point in my life, but I was kind of like, ah, oh, this still rocks. Like I was kind of like dancing around my apartment to it and it wasn't, it didn't just make me want to hide my head under the covers and, you know, right. call off the whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you too, because it had this sort of, uh, you it kind of enlightened us to uh, how the, you know, the name of the band was sort of this literary, had this sort of literary background. Um, is there, does that literacy sort of like, it's hard to hear the lyrics because of the production, because of kind of, you know, because of the sort of parameters of the song. Um, do you remember kind of what the lyrics are? Do you kind of remember if, if they maintain that sort of literacy or is it something where it's just like, you're a punk band? Well, first of all, thank you for referring to it as production, which uh, it, we, were, we were in the basement of a Harvard dorm with maybe a four track or like, I think that's probably as sophisticated as it would have gotten. And there's no, I mean, we didn't know anything about, I mean, we barely knew how to play, let alone like studio tricks or recording techniques. And so, um, so thanks for giving us some credit where maybe it's probably not due. But in terms of the lyrics, um, our bassist Pete wrote the lyrics for that one. And I mean, our lyrics were very, you know, there wasn't any profanity. They're very clean. They're very sort of earnest and positive. And so, but they're definitely not very sort of highfalutin literary, like we weren't inspired by like Baudelaire or, you know, any sort of uh, very highbrow thing. It was just, um, you know, your kind of sort of generic punk lyrics about like society and who you are and be true to yourself and like... First year of college shit. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, maybe <laughs> even sort of a bleed over of that high school-ish type of era. And, you know, this was actually very early on in college because uh, I met the two other band members because we were all sort of trying out for the campus radio station. And there was a punk rock radio show called The Record Hospital that was, um, you know, had, had a very high barrier to entry. It was like very like nothing on a major label. And it was it was very sort of, uh, you know, tightly formatted in terms of like punk and underground and stuff like that. 
So this was people I had just met through that. And I think I'm going off on a long tangent no, no, here, no, but cool. <laughs> I'm just free associating. But yeah, the lyrics were very, very straightforward and very, very punk. This was 96-ish, you said? Yeah, this would have been, so I guess fall semester of 96, maybe into, you know, spring semester of 97, so. So you're coming up, like, the band started uh, a year, two years into uh, a major wave of punk revival that was happening in the mid-90s, and you're playing stuff that was, sounds to me like you were drawing a lot from early 80s DC hardcore, and I, can you just orient me? I was very young, that was, you know, Black Flag, like Teen Idols, Government Issue were nowhere near on my radar at that time. And I'm really curious to know what it was like to be playing that style of music uh, in the middle of that kind of bizarre decade. Well, it's sort of strange because in a way we were almost in a bubble because we weren't really part of a scene so much. Uh, and I think another thing too, it's interesting that you mentioned the DC Hardcore because one thing that the three of us had all bonded over was Minor Threat. Uh, like I was kind of like really into Riot Girl and Elvis Costello and then our bassist was really into kind of spiky punk and the exploited and our drummer was this kind of straight edge, you know, discord records type of guy. And so we were all coming from slightly different perspectives. But one thing was that we all loved Minor Threat. Like we just loved really, really fast hardcore. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. We weren't really particularly connected to anything that was going on in like the Boston scene at that time. I think part of it too was that we'd all sort of gotten to the radio station and we're getting our footing there. And just that's, you know, how I was discovering all kinds of new music. And I was getting really into like the wipers and Big Black and the slits and like all these things I'd never heard of. And so that really doesn't manifest itself in this band so much. But this was just part of that, that reason why we feel maybe a little bit disconnected from like that particular time and place. Let me ask you, too, because, I mean, uh, you know, again, sort of orienting ourselves. Um, you clearly were, you know, kind of had a had your feet on the ground because if you were involved in the radio station or at least getting involved, like you were you were very much there. Um, I mean, what was what would you say was happening in like what was the big thing in like, you know, in Boston, like the mid mid 90s? I mean, what what was like what was the modern That's a good radio? question? <laughs> Because I... let me give you let me give you an example. I'm thinking yeah. about uh, I recently read uh, the oral history of the replacements, and at one point, uh, Bob Mould is talking about this sort of like rivalry between the replacements. Oh, I'm reading I'm reading his book right now. Yeah, right. That people sort of trump up, and he makes this comment that I think is brilliant, where he's like, 500 people ever saw Husker do or the replacements in Minnesota. He's like, <laughs> that shit didn't happen. He was like, this is what rock writers do. He was like, you know what was happening? Prince was happening. Prince was happening in the 80s in Minneapolis and he's like and if you didn't know that you're an idiot we all knew it and it's I, I thought it was a really interesting sort of way that he put this where he's like you know people make this big deal of it but it, you know at the end of the day there was one game in town it was Paisley Park none of us had any delusions like what was the you know what can you remember something being like the big thing in Boston at that time you know I honestly don't I just remember that you know bands in terms of trying to play on sort of campus or whatever, it was your typical smattering of, you know, a terrible white funk band or, mm -hmm. you know, just sort of the, the perennial cluelessness of people who were like, I love live music, not to bash on people who hate live music, but, um, you know, so there was that going on. There were like, you know, there was an older punk band. There were like two older punk bands on campus. But in terms of what was going on in Boston at large, I don't even remember. I remember going to see Suede. Um, in Boston, I was very into Britpop at the time, which mm -hmm. was something that was not to be admitted around the radio station because it wasn't punk enough. But hmm. 
It's interesting too. I mean, I can also, <laughs> at the risk of being that guy, I mean, the Boston's are blowing up around the mid '90s, right? Probably, like that's when yeah. Let's Face It came. Yeah, out, Scott, right? so that Scott was, was definitely a thing. Right. Yeah. So uh, introduce this next track. This is another one from same general basement of the dorm sessions, right? Yeah, these were all probably done on the same afternoon. Um, and I'm not sure which one. Oh, it's Rebel and React. Okay, so this is another... Um, well, I'll, I'll just let you hear it uh, for yourself. But this was, again, the same sweaty afternoon in the, in the basement. I guess I'm the MC. Rebel and React? Yes. Fuck yeah. You know, I had a song when I was... Uh, <laughs> my, my high school punk band had a song called Rebel Rock. That it was like this... It was our attempt... We were kind of a hardcore band, but it was our attempt at like swagger, but the lyrics were very fist in the air type thing. And I saw you threw up a fist right in one of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the songs. In the, in the studio today. What is that fist song about? Um... Rebelling, comma, reacting. Uh, I'm trying to even remember. I mean, again, I feel like this sort of came from the the school of sort of earnest, uh, think for yourself, kind of don't trust society uh, type of lyrics. Again, our, our bassist wrote the lyrics for that one. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I, I, I don't want to say our, our lyrics were kind of juvenile, but I mean, because they, they stand up, but it's definitely of that sort of time where everything felt so important and you really cared what people thought about you and you just sort of got to college and you were kind of trying to figure out, you know, your place in the world. So I guess that was all something that yeah. I'm going to trail off. Edit. You can edit that out. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking Work about... Work some studio magic to make me sound smart, please. No, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about how how sweet it is that you think that like we're somehow cooler now you know like I'm just, like I, I feel like you know I feel like the bands I'm in and the, the lyrics I write I'm still in that first year of college place of earnestness where everything matters too much yeah. well here's a question that I always like with I, I here's a question that I always refrain from asking because it's too obvious but right now I think this is the right context for it what would your freshman year self say about space merchants I think my freshman year self 
would think it was awesome that I was in a, an awesome band, but I'm not sure she would entirely understand. Uh, I mean, I feel like my musical tastes have sort of evolved so much since then. I mean, I still like pretty much all the stuff I ever used to like, um, for better or worse. But I feel like at that time, I'd say like, oh, this is kind of slow. I mean, <laughs> what is, I mean, it's, it, I think my, my teenage self would actually be pretty stoked on who I am today. And I was, I was thinking of this recently when sending an email. I was trying to schedule band practice and going to a film festival for work. And I was like, I'm, my life's kicking ass. Like, yeah. I'm, <laughs> my teenage <laughs> self would, would probably be pretty happy. But I think at that point, I couldn't have foreseen that um, I would still be doing this when I was 35. But I guess maybe I'd be happy about it. Right. Yeah. That's gotta be. That's, that's a good great. feeling, you know. Like that to, to to know to have the confidence that to know that when you were intellectually developed enough and emotionally developed enough when you were like eighteen years old to be like to think like okay yeah like I probably would have been all right with this even though it's weird and I don't get it like <laughs> you know yeah you know to be pleased with that kind of evolution. Yeah, I mean the space merchants are very melodic, and I feel like we have really good instrumentation, and the songs build like they're sort of well arranged, and the songwriting is good. And so I, I hope that my teenage self would just listen to that and be like, hell yeah, I want to. I, I don't know where this comes from, but I want to hear a lot more like it. So there's there's things that are definitely universal, sort of throughout time. Sure, and I mean I think there's something you know I think we're kind of like laughing a little bit at like this sort of rawness and you know sort of youth that's in these songs that we're listening to right now but i mean there's something really satisfying about them too <laughs> like i think we're all kind of rocking out here for like, like i said sometimes that's all you need in these, in these little minute and a half increments that you're giving us yeah and and you know when we were talking during the song you guys mentioned some you know dead kennedys and bad religion influence and i think that was definitely sort of you know what i was really into at the time and i still bust that stuff out now and again i'll admit it i still put that stuff on and it, it still rocks i mean it's definitely sort of imprinted on my brain as like a certain point in my life but um there's there's something to be said for just like raw fast punk music that has some kind of catchy hook or you know just something in it that sort of gets you gets you psyched i mean when i go to the gym all i listen to is like punk and metal and right it's just, my bread and butter just gets you pumped makes you want to you know just Spin kick, and if you and if and if you're gonna take if you're gonna take yourself seriously, if you're gonna be if you're gonna write intelligent like come from a place of intelligence and take yourself seriously, is there a better model than bad religion? You know, like if you're gonna be like you know writing rock and roll, I bad mean, brains. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah but wasn't Touché. one of the bad religion guys like an astrophysics professor or no anthropology yeah, PhD? Yeah, gra yeah, graphing. Yeah, I actually I learned a lot of vocabulary words from bad religion like that that was a band that sent me to the dictionary more often than anyone else except maybe elvis costello outside of music calvin and hobbes between calvin and hobbes <laughs> and, and bad religion that's why i was like kicking ass on the sats when i was nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> well all right so we got we got one more we wanted to play um the last song we wanted to introduce was comeuppance Anything, anything to say about so come up Can and you warn us? so uh, so this was this was the song I wrote um, the lyrics to and sang primarily and I think it was just about some girl from high school who I didn't like who had like backstabbed me I mean typical high school sort of stuff like she had been my best friend and then lied to me about a scholarship or something so it, it seemed like good fodder for a punk song I mean especially um, you know at Harvard being angry about scholarship money was something that That's was great something something relatable hopefully <laughs> there's something novel about that too I guarantee throughout our sort of trajectory here at Square Zero we're going to get a lot of angry songs by high school males 
about girls who let them down. I bet we're going to get a lot of very <laughs> emotional and sad songs about that. Uh, but I, I like this sort of I like this sort of twist on that. talk over at the end of that is priceless. Aileen, give it to us straight. Do you say whore in that song? (laughs) (laughs) No, and the Violent Against Themselves and Others never did follow up on our promise to work whore into a new song. Uh So uh, maybe that's something that space merchants can can focus on, except we're not really a vindictive band. You know, we're not really flinging feces at our enemies the way that I was when I was 18. So well, this is the era hopefully of, I've moved beyond that. This is the era of the reunion show, though, too. So maybe the violent against themselves and others <laughs> get back in that get back in that dorm basement. You know, yeah, it will be just like the Pixies or someone who's just clearly like cashing in on the bucks. Like they all hate each other, but they they feel it, this is their time to cash in. So all those hundreds of thousands of violent against themselves and others fans out there who've just been waiting. Just been waiting. Just waiting for that new t-shirt design. Waiting for that new record. Yeah. (laughs) When did you start picking up instruments? And how long was it between, you know, your first, like, attempts on, uh, at vocals and that sort of thing? And and before you parlayed it into uh, the violin against themselves and others? Um, I got an acoustic guitar sometime in junior high. But, and I took... I've taken maybe like six guitar lessons total in my whole life, which was that for confirmation or something, my parents bought me like a, you know, a punch card of six guitar lessons. Um, So I was never that serious about it. Um, Sort of throughout high school, I just got like play in the basement. And so I guess I'd been doing it for um, a couple years before the violent against themselves and others, but there's nothing like actually being in a band to kind of up your game because you have a reason to play and to practice and to be good and to not embarrass yourself in public or even just in front of your bandmates. So this was really my first attempt at, you know, any kind of public musical performance. And would you guys play out a lot in Boston? We didn't. We played a handful of shows. We played on campus a couple times. Um, We played like one or two shows out of town. We played at some VFW hall in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Um, You know, a thing called a Grange Hall, which was this sort of... uh, weird Massachusetts-y type of hall you could rent. That was some like farmer association thing. Um, So we never, we didn't play out a ton. We didn't really have a lot of 
connections or vehicles. Um, we almost put out a seven inch. This was up until this moment, this was sort of my big regret in life was that I'd never, I mean, actually, I guess up until the space merchants, um, because I was like, man, I'm never gonna have, you know, it would have been cool to have a piece of vinyl with these songs on it. And, you know, now the songs are going to be sort of out on the internet so anyone can find them. But, um, yeah, we sort of, we came close to like maybe doing something more serious with it. And then we ended up breaking up and, uh, it wasn't really, you know, we didn't want to put the person who was going to put the seven inch out through all the cost and expense of putting it out when we were immediately <laughs> about to break up. So and what precipitated the breakup? I don't really remember. I mean, the bassist and I sort of made out once and then <laughs> things got awkward and, you know, I'd sort of forgotten. And in the process of going through the tapes for this, there was there was one song that I didn't send you that because it was half finished song we didn't have lyrics for it because and the dispute was that our bassist wanted the lyrics to be about how much he hated the police you know typical sort of punk lyric like fuck the pigs type of thing and my father's a cop um so i was not really down with that and my, my father was like shot in the line of duty and stuff like he was fine but you know i had various reasons for not wanting to be in a yeah, band that was sure. like fuck the police right. so that that was the beginning of i guess a, a sort of creative rift where um he wanted to sort of have more typical punk topic mm -hmm. matter and I wasn't down. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, I don't know if there was some way you could have compromised, like maybe like, uh, sting sucks. Like maybe you could have like, <laughs> found something, like, like, like conv convinced yourself to be like, you know, Oh, he's talking about, you know, like, Senyata Mandata or whatever, like he's not, you know. Not, <laughs> yeah, that would have been the world's angriest song about Sting. I mean, <laughs> until Derek writes one. Ah, uh, yeah, I have a thing again. Me and Henry Rollins don't don't get along with Sting. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, Sting's kind of an easy target though. I mean, he's so hateable. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you one more thing too, because this is something that's come up in a couple of our interviews that I think is I'm always interested to know. Um, you talked about, you know, like these are out of there on the internet now and you're talking about, you know, sort of the fallout from the band and everything else. Do you do you keep up with your, these bandmates at all? Like, do you know what they're up to these days or is it something where you don't really know anymore? Um, well, they're not on Facebook, which is usually how you can sort of easily keep track of slash stalk people. Creep on people. Creep on people, yeah. <laughs> um, and they just happen to not be on there or at least I haven't seen them on there. Um, so we're not on bad terms. We're just not totally in touch. Um, I mean, we connected on LinkedIn or something like two years ago and it was like, Hey, Hey, but, right. um, but I, I don't see them. They don't live in New York. They're, they're kind of doing. Right. It's just sort of a, it's sort of else. a thing we've noticed with the format where we're like, Oh, we're asking one person about this high school band. And with some of these recordings, if, there's always the possibility they're going to be really embarrassing to someone who was in that band. You know, like, I'm. this is cool. You know, like, yeah. this is cool, and I think people would laugh it off. You know, like, well, yeah, like, oh, and I think as, awesome, as long as we there. don't use their names so it won't show up in a Google search or something. I mean, <laughs> hopefully, I mean, I, like I said, I'm still kind of somewhat proud of these recordings, and I hope they yeah. would be too. I mean, there's nothing totally embarrassing in them. I mean, it's, it's cute, if anything, and I think they still rock, so hopefully uh, we won't get a cease and desist from them. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, connect the dots between uh, the violent against themselves and others in space merchants. Well, I guess sort of the bridge of what happened in between is that I switched from guitar to bass. Um, this actually was the pinnacle of my guitar playing career because I never got to be that good a guitarist. Like I could play bar chords really fast um, and sloppily, but uh, at some point during college, 
my boyfriend at the time's roommate was moving to Japan and was like getting rid of a base for $40. And so I was like, oh, $40, I guess I'll try that. And then I just loved it. Like I just sort of took to it and it just felt like more of my thing. So then, um, so then I started playing bass and I've been playing it ever since. And so that's what I do um, in the Space Merchants. And creatively speaking, I'm not sure what the bridge is, except that, you know, a lot of the other members of the Space Merchants also came out of a punk rock kind of background. And Mike, our guitarist and singer, was also really into bad religion. And, you know, there's definitely mm-hmm. sort of a common progression that you find among people as they grow older and just dig deeper for different kinds of music. And so even if it's not the kind of music that you're still playing, it's definitely a common bond of sure. uh, something you shared when you were teenagers. Uh, talk about what the Space Merchants are doing now. So the Space Merchants, we are actually, we recorded a record, which was supposed to be an EP, but our songs are so long that I think once we lined them all up, it was like 35 minutes. And I was like, ah, oh, it's sort of a full length. Extended play. Ex- yeah, the, yes, <laughs> definitely some extended play. So uh, we're actually mastering that on Thursday. And I don't know when we're going to drop it uh, or how in or in what format, uh, if it's just digital or vinyl, but... We do have a record coming out, so that's pretty exciting. And we're actually playing a show on January 24th, which is Friday night, coming up soon, um, at Coco 66 in Greenpoint with uh, Black Valleys, who are two-thirds of White Hills, who are um, an awesome psych rock band on the scene. Yeah, isn't that clever, right? Yes, eh? yes, yes, Get yes, it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Weird Owl, who's another uh, local band who we like. And so we're trying to make a whole sort of psych rock evening. We hired people to do like liquid light projections. Um, so it's going to be really awesome and really cool. And we're going to have really good DJs playing like deep cuts. And it's, it's going to be sweet. All right, great. So thanks so much for uh, coming in and sitting with us. Um, everybody, obviously, go January 24th to uh, Coco 66 to catch Space Merchants. Um, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Rock and roll. Square zeros. Thanks, guys.